he's about to preach here. Because <laughs> after the scripture, normally we expect the sermon. Friends, let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to give you thanks for the faithfulness, Lord, of members who give out of the kindness and the generosity of their heart. And above all, Lord, that they give in order that your work would go forth. And they give not only of their finances, Lord, but they give of their time, their talents and their treasures, Lord. And so we pray even as we look to your word, you would teach us and you speak to us and you guide us in your truth everlasting. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts, O Lord, be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, the uh, leaders were telling me we need to do LCC installation and stewardship Sunday and small group Sunday. And uh, Gauri and I, we were looking at our preaching calendar and said, how? <laughs> because they said, can you talk a little bit about stewardship and encourage people to come forward in order to lead? And so today, I was actually supposed to speak about ascension. You know, ascension is when Jesus actually goes up into the clouds. And so the text is taken actually from uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. But I also wanted to touch a little bit, and because the leader said, you know, it'd be good to tell us a little bit about what does the ascension have to do with what we do now. So instead I frame this question, what do I do while waiting for the end? Because when Jesus goes up, he says something to them whilst they are waiting there. He says, wait here in the city and power will come upon you. The Holy Spirit that is promised to you. And then he kind of like floats up into the air and everyone's like staring up there, thinking, when's the kingdom coming? And these two, this two, two folks suddenly appear in their midst and says, why are you staring up there? This Jesus, as you have seen him go up, will return one day. And so that, in essence, is this uh, waiting period that we're in. But I also took a text that you would see this morning from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. And you will realize that Matthew chapter 25, 14 to 30, is smack in the middle of three parables about the kingdom. It is three parables about the kingdom where in each of these three stories, it is about this ruler, this king, or this man who is going away on a long journey, i.e. Jesus' ascension. And whilst they are there, Jesus speaks to them about what to do while the kingdom is being inaugurated. In other words, the fact that he is coming back. And so we have the text with us. If you turn to Matthew 25, uh, verses 14 to 30, you find it on page 1541. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money. To another, he gave... Uh, sorry, let me read that. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then, when he, then he went on his journey, and the man who went and received five talents uh, multiplied it. So we have that brief uh, story background. 
three people who were said to be servants, the master or the Lord basically goes away and gives them each according to his ability. And obviously promising them he's coming back. Now I'd like to link that to Acts chapter 1. Jesus ascended, but before he ascended, he said to them, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. I will come again. Many times in the gospel, he says, I'm leaving, I'm coming back. And before he leaves, he gives them and tells them, you wait here until power comes upon you. The power of what? The Holy Spirit. So these parables that Jesus was talking about, about the kingdom, the parable of the one who goes away and the kingdom is being established, that he will come back, but he leaves behind resources, but not only that, responsibilities. I give you these resources, but you've got work to do. So this parable is one sandwich in between three that repeat the same thing. And they all answer this question, what do I do while I wait for Jesus to come back? Okay? Now, one, how much is a talent worth? The English word that we have, talent, is, uh, you know, referring to your gifts and abilities. But the original text in Hebrew, the talent was a sum of money. And that sum of money represented wages. Guess how much wages those were? Modern equivalent calculation of those wages, one talent is equivalent to 20 years of a laborer's daily wage. You should reckon by now that's a huge amount of money. And so when we have the other parable, the one about the man who was given 5,000 talents, what it's meant is that it is an enormous, huge amount of money. Just to give you an idea, uh, the overall sum, tax, GDP, <laughs> you would call it ancient uh, Greek GDP, how much the nation of Israel, Palestine, who was under the Roman Empire, had to pay yearly to Caesar was 80 talents. 80 talents, right? So it gives you a, uh, an idea of the scale. Now, this parable is about money. Okay, it refers primarily about money, but it is not focused on money. Okay, the example is using money, but the focus is not really about money. Because in any parable, the purpose of the parable is given right at the end. It ends the stress of the parable. Okay, so what do I do while waiting for the end? Typical of most of the parables, it says you wait. You wait patiently and you wait for a long time. However, it's slightly different in the sense that it goes and says a few other things. While you're waiting and while you're watching for Jesus to come back, because we have the parable of the virgins, for example, the virgins, the, the brides, uh, sorry, the bridesmaids are all just waiting, ready, watching. And when Jesus comes again, everybody quickly goes and they've been prepared all this while. So preparedness, watching, watchfulness, but this particular parable has something additional, and it is this element of working while you're waiting. What are we supposed to do? Now, so summary of the story, master goes away. He leaves his servants with responsibilities. Uh, for those of you who might be falling asleep, you might want to look at the bulletin. There's a sermon outline, S-O-A-P, fill in the blanks. 
dear friend just now said, Pastor, ever since you came, every time I must bring pen <laughs> to fill in the blanks. So, a master goes away. So he actually, you know, kind of like leaves. So we know Jesus is physically away, but spiritually present with us through the power of the Spirit of Jesus. And he leaves them with responsibilities and resources until he returns. The wait is long. Now, verse 19 basically says, after a long time. It is a long wait, but it is not a passive wait. Why? Because these people who are given these talents, this innumerable treasure, are told to go and multiply it and bring back this multiplication here. Then, the question of this parable is, who will be ready? And whether they will get on with the work and make the most of the opportunities that are presented. And so we have example one, the guy with the five talents. Example two, the guy with the, uh, the two talents. And the last one with one talent who is given all this according to their ability. So let me very clearly say this. Huh? They were given these talents according to their ability. But although the original responsibility... Okay, the scale of the original responsibility. One was given five talents. The second one had a different scale, two talents. And the last one had one talent. The first two guys who had the five and the two talents multiplied it. And when they were multiplied, you know, the story or the parable doesn't say to the guy who has five talents, oh, you are greater. No. Uh, in verse 21 and 23, the same response is given. Okay? The commendation is the same for the first two servants. You see 21 and 23 repeated. His master replied to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, many times in my corporate life, people used to say, you strategic thinker, think big, don't sweat the small stuff. But when I, when I go about this, right, I realize that, yeah, actually, uh, to be good in the big things, you do need to sweat the small stuff. Because if you're not faithful in the small things, how will you be faithful in the big things? Recently, a friend circulated this, uh, this uh, kind of like story. You don't know whether it's true or not, but it was going quite viral. It was about the fact that there was this Chinese uh, girl. Uh, so I don't know the truth. But the principle of the story makes good reading and a good thing to think about. There was this girl who was a Chinese girl who went overseas uh, in, in, in Northern Europe. And she realized uh, that she was paying a lot of money for education. But she also found out that in this particular place, the transport system did not require you to actually pay for a ticket. You could actually get onto the bus for free. They expected you to pay, but if you don't do so, uh, it's up to you. Maybe you get caught once in a while. Okay, so I'm Chinese. I can kutok my own Chinese people. Lah. We are very good at saving money and being very practical. So she did the calculation. She said the number of times that the inspector comes and catches me, I get fined maybe for 10 euros. Lah. But I save so much each day to and fro. 2 euro, 2 euro, 2 euro, 2 and fro. So 4 euros a day. 
If I get caught, maybe I get caught once a month. Okay lah, I'll do that. So she quite happily didn't pay for her ticket, got onto the train, and occasionally got caught and thought, no problem. She passed out bright and brilliant and she got the best scholarship. I mean, she got through, she got her best results, and then she applied to the universities. Uh, sorry, she applied with her university credentials to all these job companies. And the funny thing is, the interviews would go well, but as she comes to the second or the third interview, it would suddenly stop. They would read something and they would basically say, sorry, we can't offer you this job. She was very perplexed and says, but I have all my credentials. I'm from a good family. I, I, I've got fantastic results. Uh, what's wrong? And so one day when she met a particularly friendly uh, interviewee, interviewee HR person who had interviewed the person uh, who after this whole process again frowned and then said, I'm sorry lady, I think we can't offer you this particular position. She finally plucked up the courage and said, why? Uh, can you tell me what's wrong? And says, uh, we noticed that in your particular uh, CV, you have all the, that it needs. You have all the academic ability and, and, uh, uh, and, and function to do this. However, when we do a background check, we find that you have all these outstanding fines. All these summons uh, that, that are against you that you did not pay, uh, or rather you were fined. Now we thought maybe the first time you were new to the, to the country and you didn't know. But the fact that you have more than five means that this is a repeated offence, that you willfully continue to not pay what you were supposed to pay. And she's like, what's wrong with that? You know, I, I did the calculation. I'm a very bright person. It was cheaper for me to get on without the ticket. And so the, the counsellor said, until you realise that we are going to be entrusting you with important matters, sensitive information and highly valuable information, that if you cannot be trusted with those small things, how can we entrust you with the big things? And so we learn a lesson of integrity here about that small stuff. If you're not faithful in the small things, how will you be faithful when it really matters? If you're not faithful in the small things in our house, in our contracts, in the things that we pay in the market, we get away very cheap and we cheat others for it. How then will you count when it's a million dollar or ten million dollar project or when other people's lives are on the line and you want your convenience uh, to win up. And so great or small, we have this responsibility and we note this comment there, though the original responsibility and achievements are different, the commendation is the same uh, for the first two servants. What about the third person? I mean, he comes and he says, you know, uh, Lord, I, Master, I know you are a hard and difficult person. Now, this is a parable. And so the parable, when it says something, doesn't mean that this is actually reflective of God. This is more reflective of the person's thinking, that he thinks that, you know, the Master is like that. And the Master, when he replies, doesn't confirm it. He's just using rhetoric. He says, if you thought 
that I was an evil and malicious and calculating thing, you could still have put it into an interest-earning deposit somewhere and I would still get something. But here, you just bury it in the ground. It's a bit like an ostrich, you know, you, you put your head in the ground and say, like, ignore everything. And so we ask this question, this third person, he was opting for safety instead of service. He had responsibilities, he had work to do, but he opted for safety. He says, I just want to be safe. I don't want to uh, encounter any risk. I don't want to invest anything because I might lose not only the investment, but I might also lose uh, in terms of the boss may come after me and say, you, you, you lost and you made lousy investments. Are we like that? Are we opting for safety instead of service? In the many decisions that we are made where we are called to invest our time, our treasures and our talents and we invest in the safe stuff. You know, the third person is said to be in hoping to avoid doing anything wrong, he finished up not doing anything right. I say this again, in hoping to avoid doing anything wrong, he finished up not doing anything right. I have an illustration that I'd like to use at this moment, but before that, I want to show this particular video of this young lady by the name of Simone Biles. Now, Simone is uh, now, she's I think 20 years old, uh, but some of you, if you are in the gymnastics arena, uh, you would have noticed this young lady. She's said to be the world's greatest gymnast, and I couldn't believe it until I, I tried to check out what was it. She has actually won uh, four world championships gymnast as all-round gymnast. Four. She also won five gold medals at the Rio Olympics 2016. Now, I, I love watching gymnastics, okay? For the various reasons, not because of their scanty clothes or that the guys are all very muscular, but the fact that they are doing some amazing things with, their, with themselves that, that I wish I could do. So I just want to show a picture and give an illustration of this out of Simone, shall we?
Thanks. You can switch it off. Now, uh, I don't know if you noticed, somewhere in the 50th second, that's, that routine is about 1 minute and 40 seconds. In the 50th second, she kind of almost falls off, uh, but manages to regain her step. When, when they interviewed her later, they asked, you know, hey, what happened there? Uh, do you know that when they do all these events, there are all these other events that are happening at the same time? And if you, if you watch it again, you'll notice that at the moment that she's about to run up and do that thing, the crowd claps because the British uh, floor exercise girl had just completed and they were all clapping really loud. And in that moment of instance of time, she suddenly lost the concentration, almost fell off. And the judges who said it was more amazing watching her not fall <laughs> than that one minute, 40 seconds where she does it. Now, I had other clips that I saw where she did this uh, phenomenally and fantastically. But she is at the top of her class. Simone is, is a young girl who, in a way, went through a lot of difficulties in her young life. Uh, she was actually uh, fostered because her mother was an alcoholic and drug addict and could not take care of her. And nobody really wanted hold of her and her grandmother had to take care of her. Her grandmother is said to be a very prayerful woman who struggled with this because she didn't want to be tied down. She wanted to travel and see the world. Uh, but then she took on this role. And this Simone is the product of that. Now, I want to contrast uh, Simone Biles with this other person, Ron Wanabe. Uh, that person happens to be me, the Ron Wanabe. So I, I have brought, a, I, I've brought my own... Testing. Ah, okay. So I've, I've brought my own uh, balance beam. Okay. I, I'm going to read to you the dimensions of the Olympic uh, balance beam. The Olympic balance beam is a, a wooden beam 5 meters long, 16.4 okay, feet, uh, 10 cm wide. 10 cm wide. That's 4 inches, if you're wondering. <laughs> 4 inches wide and 125 cm, 4.1 feet from the floor. Okay. So, uh, by right, uh, four, 4 feet is about my shoulder height. Uh, I'm not so brave, lah, so I do that, that height. So here I have my balance beam. It's about one foot wide and two feet tall. And I would like to do this and do a somersault here. Right? Uh, but before I do that, maybe I better wear my helmet. <laughs> Must have safety, ma. So I got my helmet, but you know, um, I, I got this thing, maybe as a bit of cushioning, in case when I do this stunt, you have a half-baked pastor who will have one broken leg. 
So if I fall, you'll catch me. Not only that, I, I, I also brought some uh, bubble wrap. <laughs> so what you do is you put the bubble wrap around you. So I've got my helmet, I've got my bubble wrap, and I'm just going to do what Simone did. Right? So let me get on here. <laughs> okay, uh, what did she do? Uh, she went forward. This is getting a bit scary because it's very high. And this is only two feet. Okay, how do we do this? We do a backflip, right? Tell you what, maybe, maybe what I'll do is uh, I'll, I'll just. Uh, I know I want to be on the beam, so I'll just stay on the beam, okay? Ah, so much safer. <laughs> oh, it's so much nicer when you sit down. <laughs> I, I know I want to stay on this beam, right? Um, but maybe what I need to do if I'm going to do my stunt is just uh, lie down flat on the beam. Lah. Right, so I'm going to do that. Maybe I lie down. Oh, yes. You know, we're, we're a bit like Christians like this, you know. Uh, we want to do all these amazing stunts that God has given us, but we're much more comfortable uh, being on the way of life like this. And after a while, it gets very comfortable staying in this position because it's safe. I'm, I'm holding on to this, this uh, beam here. I'm not going to fall off. And maybe one day, in my sleep, I might suddenly pass away. And next thing I know, it's time to dismount because life is over. So what I'll do is I'll get up. And I'm in the presence of God. And I'll throw, I'll throw all this off. And then I'll do my... And God, what do you think God's going to do? God's going to like, wow. Wow, that was amazing. You lived such a safe life. You, you made it. You know, you made it. You, you lived such a safe life. Um, there were no somersaults. There were no backflips. There were no triple whatever. But you made it. And you're now in heaven here and you're in this, uh, in this thing. And do you think God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in the small things. And now enter into your master's happiness. Now, I can't take credit for this. I know there was a, a guy by the name of Francis Chan who, who actually used this as an illustration, but I thought it's very powerful. It's powerful in the sense that we want to be like Jesus. I mean, Simone Biles is one who is very talented in the things that she does as a gymnast, right? But my goal is not to be Simone. I'm not her, obviously. But my goal is to be like Jesus because we are called to follow. Take up your cross, deny yourself daily, and follow me. 
And then the question will come, you know, am I really just waiting for that moment when I'll just expire in my sleep and enter into God's glory and do my bow? And I'm, you know, is, what's God going to say? This is the test that we have about do we want to live life not risking anything and playing it safe? Because this particular parable speaks to us when the master who returns addresses his servant, he says, the man who had received the one talent came, master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered, so I was afraid. Verse 28 says, take the talent from him, give it to the one who has the ten talents, for everyone who has, who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. And this is the important verse now. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now that is the end stress of the parable. Worthless servant. Now we might be asking, so what does this have to do with waiting for the end. My dear friends, I'm not calling you towards great acts of doing. I'm calling you to great acts of being, being in a spiritual walk with God, being able to do that which is spiritual. Why? Because when Jesus was about to leave in John chapter 15, 16, 17, he says, I am sending another counsellor like me. And he will be with you. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, he tells them, wait for me. And spirit, the power of the Spirit will descend upon you and power will come upon you. And what is the work then we're supposed to do? He says, and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. The work that we're called to do is that God gives us all these talents, these gifts, in order for us to do something with it. What is that thing that you are called to do? Our resource, this talent that God has given us, is not just our financial things. It is the Holy Spirit that has been given to you. You know, you're not given the things of this earth. You are given God himself. You are being given the creator, not the created. And so, wouldn't it make a difference to you? You know, Simone has got her natural, bodily, physical talent, but she also has an extra. She's actually a very godly girl. I mean, I, I watched an interview with her on, on Christian Network, Christian Broadcast Network, and she praised God, and she attributed many of the things about her life to God. Our resource and power is this Holy Spirit that calls us to invest it, and I'm not necessarily saying that investing it means, okay, give up everything, join the church and become a church worker. No, nothing of that sort. Do you know, a teacher friend of mine came and, he, and we were talking. He's a young man in his 20s and he said, you know, it's quite difficult here. He lives in Kedah and he works in the, in the government school. He said, uh, his friend of mine, I won't name him. What's it like working in a government school? Oh, tough. I'm Chinese in Kedah. You know, a few teachers from Kadar have told me the same thing. 
Your color, wrong color, you cannot go up there. You know what that means. And they are always pressed down. So I said, okay, why don't you, why don't you come out? You know, Wesley Methodist School, Penang International is looking for people. You know what he said to me? He said to me, I think uh, God wants me to work with the government school. I said, hmm, that's interesting. Why? Because there are many kids there, especially these boys, who don't have a family figure, especially a father. And I think God wants me to help them. Then he told me, uh, Pastor, I also feel that at some point in time, I want to give my life to the church and work for the church. I said, forget it! <laughs> you are doing more where you are than coming into the church. Don't tell the president I said that. <laughs> but your calling is where God sends you, not where the church pastor says, I want you to be here. No. <laughs> It is where God calls you to be, where you are gifted and talented. And I say you are gifted and talented because you are working every five days, sometimes six days. He's in charge of the basket, what, the football team and the basketball team. I say, what time your day starts? Seven o'clock, uh, six o'clock in the morning, basically, because you have to get to school early. And I finish around 6 p.m. That's, then I go back sometimes, I got to do lesson plan for the next few days. And most teachers understand that. They know what it means. He's investing his talent where it matters and he's not being swayed to and fro. To me, he's doing all these somersaults and turns and twists. And one day when he stands before God, he will be told, well done. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in the small things. Enter into your master's happiness. Man, how many people do we have like that who are so sold out to want to do this for God? Our responsibility and job is to get on with, is to be witnesses of Jesus Christ to all. No one is able to tell how Christ has worked in your life. Only you. You have a PhD in that. Because no one else can explain how God has worked in you. But that's what we're called to be. A witness is one who has encountered Jesus. My dear friends, you can't be a witness unless you yourself have encountered Jesus. And sadly, some of our people in the church may say, I really don't know whether I've encountered Jesus at all. That is the hard task we're called to be. I'm just going to end with Simone because Simone uh, struck me as a person most interesting um, you would have recalled early this year there was this uh, a viral story that went on in the U.S. about the U.S. Uh, Gymnastics Association. Uh, there was this doctor, uh, Nassar, uh, a doctor who had apparently sexually abused countless children, gymnasts, uh, had done a procedure which was uh, not required and basically sexually abused all of these people. Simone recently came out on the 30th of January to admit that she was also one of those people who was sexually abused. She's 20 now. She's still a fantastic gymnast. She's looking forward to the 2020 Olympics. But she says this thing in, in an interview, and I, I'd encourage you, friends, if you'd like to encourage your boys and your girls, uh, you can find it on www.1cbn.com, Olympic gymnast Simone uh, Bile's Faith and Courage. She's writing a book now, Courage to Soar. 
So you just do a search on her, but she, she makes this comment uh, about her father, who is also another man who pointed her to God, and her grandmother who adopted her and pointed her to God as well. She says, I think God gives every individual something special, and mine was talent, gymnastic talent. So to never take it for granted, which my dad always told me, don't waste God's gift he gave you because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You have this once-in-a-lifetime to invest what God has given to you, this Holy Spirit, and your entire life, how He has helped you for it. So give that some thought and think it all. Give it your all wholeheartedly. Invest it because that's what the first two did. All that they were given, they invested all of it. They didn't hold it back. Now, again, friends, I don't want to get misconstrued that you are supposed to put in all your bank account into the church. Nothing of that sort. We are called each in our own way to give of our time, our treasures, and our talents. That's the covenant we gave when we became members of our church. And you trust me, we are challenging our leadership. Hey, you've got one point something million income yearly, but you also have many buildings, you have fixed deposits and surpluses from the past 60 years. That's a huge responsibility. And I don't want to be like that guy just now, that wannabe, with a helmet and a bubble wrap around him. Ah, I've done it. <laughs> we need to be amazing in how God calls us uh, to live. My friends, let us pray.